and welcome to Seize the GM. If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help. And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt, we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions, and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. Welcome back to another episode of Seize the Jam. It's good to see all of your smiling faces out there. And yes, I can see you, and I see you not smiling. Pick it up, Buttercup. (laughs) Pick it up, Buttercup. (laughs) Yes, indeed. But this week, even though it's just the two of us, we have a really fun topic to talk about, or at least something that is near and dear to both of our GMing hearts, even if you don't think we have much of those left. I don't. Mine is really small. It's been shriveled up from lots of... Oh, never mind. (laughs) So, what is this illustrious topic that we have? This week, we want to talk to you about genre subversion. Okay. What is that, you ask? I do. What is that? Genre subversion is where you take a genre or style of story or campaign. Pro tip, go back, listen to previous Seize the GMs about setting up campaigns and themes, and you'll see the ones we're talking about. But then you twist it with a different one. And there are different ways to do this and different results you can get, but it's where you can create a more layered and engaging story or also just keep your players guessing from game to game. Wait, you mean you don't keep them guessing from game to game? They think they are. (laughs) Or at least I try to. But seriously, these are stories that you know. These are stories you're familiar with. These are ideas and concepts you already kind of probably do. You actually, you most definitely do if you take and consume any present day media because they all do it in some capacity. And, you know, I love to bring this up because horror does a really good job of throwing those crazy, weird genres sometimes together. And one of the most ridiculous ones is comedy horror. You see, you go horror and I go sci-fi for what I think is is a great expansive (laughs) base for subversions. But that idea of comedy and horror is kind of what I think about when I talk about juxtaposing opposing genres. Yeah. It, it, you, you take a genre and slowly have the players realize that it's almost the exact opposite. Yeah. Either going from comedy to horror or from horror to comedy, which I think is an even more potent game. Yeah. Yeah, it really can be. And if you're... There are lots of movies that play on that comedic horror. If you want to just look on Netflix sometime 
and you will find comedic horror all over the place. You know, like uh, scary movie, things like that. I mean, they're teen comedy horror things. So it's very easy to find. And it's one that they do a lot of, that sort of concept. But you were saying something about science fiction? Oh, I think science fiction is one of the best ones to genres to have that you can subvert and kind of twist uh, across different things. Uh, partially because you'll realize that you know science fiction encompasses a lot of genres to begin with. But one of my favorite kind of genre subversions is, is what I refer to as the bonkers subversion. Sometimes you just start throwing unrelated genres into games. Uh, a lot of times those will be one-offs, adventures between larger campaigns. Uh, it can be a running theme. Uh, science fiction, like I said, will lend itself well to heist, survival, whatever else comes along, if, especially if you have time travel. Think about Doctor Who. How many different genres of story has Doctor Who told in a single season? Think about every time Q shows up in Star Trek The Next Generation. Q means you're in for something different. And that's a different kind of story. But Stargate SG-1 is one of the ones I will kind of lean on here for you to look into as an example of that bonkers subversion. Episodically, they would bounce between different kinds of stories, between intrigue and action-adventure, between shoot-em-ups, romance, whatever it was. And oftentimes you had a larger story getting woven in, but that's the discussion of Stargate SG-1. Which you would love to do sometime. If you would like us to have the longer discussion about Stargate SG-1, <laughs> Doctor Who, or any of these things, I start and then get reined in on. Yeah, you Patreon. do. We have a Patreon. You should go become a patron and tell us on the Patreon that you would like me to get unleashed for 30, 40, two hours on whatever <laughs> topic might be that you would like to see. Oh, there are topics I, I can go on. But sci-fi provides that very easily for genre subversion. It does. It does. And there's, th there's some really crazy ones that aren't necessarily that. Where you're actually doing more of that, uh, like, you know, comedy horror, but you're doing something else. That, that great juxtaposition opposing genres that are out there because while I did, you know, comedy horror, yeah, that's all great and everything. But what if you were to do something like, Oh, I don't know a romance survival. Now wrap your head around that one. <laughs> okay. I mean, isn't that just castaway? <laughs> Wrong kind of romance. And usually that would be just a single person. See, you have to incorporate many others. But yeah, what? romance survival. Um, I think adjacent genres are also fun. I think it's easy to kind of elide between genres that are close. And one of the best examples I can think of is Lost, which as a TV show opens up with this disaster survival setting and very quickly becomes a mystery. Yeah. Game That's of Thrones what is going on. Yeah. I mean, Game of Thrones also has that look at my high fantasy fantasy setting. Oh, wait, this is really all about political and social intrigue, even if dragons are involved. Yeah. 
And so yes. those are close, and it's easy to kind of jump between them. And those are the kinds of ones I, I find the most rewarding and the most um, fun. Other than, you know, the occasional bonkers where, you know, you take your sci-fi team and stick them in a, a matter transporter and say, congratulations, you are now Robin Hood. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, where you can just completely throw a a wonky, complete version of it off where nothing is the same anymore. And you do that for, you know, you can do that for like sessions, but you don't want to do it too often because it can become really distracting and hard for the players to figure out what's going on. And that is not something that you really want. You still want that cohesion of the players to buy into whatever it is that you're running. Oh, and that's kind of one of the things to get back to is when you think about creating a genre subversion, think about kind of redefining the story you're telling. Remember that this is in the service of the players and their characters. When yeah. you subvert the genre, you are providing a better opportunity for that character's personality to come out, for that player to express something that maybe isn't going to normally come out in the existing game. And so containing it in a way that your players get to have fun. Maybe, you know, the high fantasy paladin who's always buttoned up has a chance to kind of let let her hair down a little bit in, in one of these settings. Maybe the leader sort of frontline follow me star captain gets to be a slinking rogue. Yeah. And that, that background character that nobody notices anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And this is the way you can pull that off in a game without, you know, hey, I'm going to make you a, another character that looks a lot like your existing character, but it's not. Here, play this. Yeah. Yeah, and you don't want to do that too often because that can be just as bad for for people to try to wrap their head around sometimes. So that is a a big thing to keep in mind. So... What do you think are the three kind of key things for a game master to keep in mind when designing a story that is based on, you know, subverting an existing genre? Well, one of the big ones is you need to be aware of the tropes that exist in both of the genres that you're trying to do. And you can either, when you do that, you can either play off of them or you can find a way to, because some of them will actually be just worded slightly differently. And they're literally the same thing. So you're just kind of like playing a slight tweak to make that trope fit into the new genre. The other, another big one is the players kind of have to be, well, the, the players have to be appreciative of taking the ride that's going to come with this because it's not going to be like a traditional type of game that plays into that genre that you're playing. So they have to be comfortable with going along for that ride. And if they're not, then this sort of thing may not work with your group. And that's a big thing to keep in mind. And the third one, I would honestly say 
is have fun with it because if you can get a group to totally buy into this and you really do understand all the tropes and you really play off of it, it can be an amazing time. So those are the three things that I would say are important to keep in mind when doing this. What are yours? I, I think for me, one of them goes back to those tropes and that's figure out a way to reward using or playing into the tropes of the target genre. You know, so if it you normally play a horror game and this is going to be a horror comedy subversion, what are the ways that you reward a player who does something in one of those comedic tropes, which then also may hint the players towards following along. I think the second thing is to make sure you've got a solution that can present itself to your players. When you're playing horror, you're not thinking about comedy. Comedy is almost always, in fact, by classical definition, end in a marriage or a coupling. How many of your characters in a horror game are ready to set people up on dates? Exactly. Make sure there's a way for them to get to the solution. And finally, pick one thing you really like about that subverted genre and carry it back into the main game in about a session or two in the future and just have that become something that is around. Nice. Yeah, that is actually great. Those are all really good ideas. So. All right. You know the mantra. We're on social media. You know how to find us. We have a few more things coming up. But we want to hear from you about what sort of genre subversions are your favorite to play or are your favorite to run. So let us know on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Discord, Patreon, and we will probably do something special for you, and all of those associated social medias, including, I think there's still a Tumblr? I don't know. I've never There's technically a Tumblr. It just gets the episodes posted there, but I don't do Com anything with it. Comment on the Tumblr and, and someone might see it. Yeah. I would probably see it because the only place that I do have Tumblr is on my phone. So I would see it quickly and be able to reply. So as we have said, there's there's huge amounts that can go into any of these topics, and we have really just kind of As scratched always, the surface. Barely scratched the surface. And, you know, Tell somebody who does a ton of subversion in our next topic is the guy who's not talking right now, and he does it a lot. So, pay attention to a lot of his stat blocks, and you will see a fairly large amount of genre subversion in his stat blocks. And speaking of which, let's go ahead and roll on into those stat blocks. System neutral pieces that can be worked into an ongoing game or inspiration for your next big game event. Okay. Well, with that introduction, I think I'll go ahead and start it out. <laughs> okay. The coming and going, going and coming, hither and yon. It seems nearly impossible for one to catch one's breath at this pace. <sighs> There's no shortage nor stoppage of souls calling out for relief, or at least my well-bargained assistance. 
Well, it has gotten easier the longer I've done this job to extract payment. It's certainly something that few ever question, inviting me in, offering me refreshments, signing whatever paper I put in front of them when I'm done. They smile and sigh contentedly, and I just keep collecting that sweet, sweet taste of the promised future. Ah, time for my next appointment. Midland Advanced British HVAC Repair, may I come in? <laughs> that is hilarious. I like them. They have now become a thing that is rapidly like consuming parts of my mind that I'm going to have to use in a game. Yeah, yeah, you really do. That is fun. That is a lot of fun. Okay. Well, I guess that means I'm up next. Neural Jack Link Diagnosis. Link Damaged. Cause of Damage. Neural Net Security Activated. The neural jack link disconnected from the nerve trunk and slithered back into the terminal housing. Part of the design feature of the Sidine series. Also the only series that's compatible with the nerve structure of the Cephalopodia species. Even the uplifted ones have a hard time getting the links to work. It is funny how the silly rigids never think that an uplifted pod can hack into the planetary grid. The humans still think that they're the most intelligent beings in the solar system. They are so wrong. The few that don't try to step uh, on us on the way up find out that we've been in this system almost as long as the system has existed. We can camouflage in the digital world almost as well, maybe even better than we do in the real world. And that is saying something. I like that the humans still think that I'm just a fan of Lovecraft. Not this non-human. I hate him. Since he made cephalopods the villains of so many of his stories. If we are all villains, then I will take what I need from the rigids and make this world bow down to me. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to do something with, uh, it kind of all came at once. And I was just like, I started writing and my wife was like, you need to go get, you know, our daughter from the bus stop. And I'm like, but I'm, I'm writing. I've got it. It's idea. <laughs> and she's like, I, I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah. So check out how you can, um, Use these two ideas of Midland Advanced British HVAC Repair and Deep One in games on the doobly-doos. We're not going to talk about it here. So, well, I guess with that wrapped up, I guess it's time to flip on over into our lexicon. An uncommon word that helps improve your descriptions with a bit of information about those words as well. All right. What you got? Well, it's a noun. And it is the word benefice. Ooh. Yeah. So, the definition of said word. 
involves being a beneficiary, or at least it comes from the same place because it's where you pay the money to. That's where you bribe. It, it's where the bribes go. <laughs> it is an ecclesiastical office to which the revenue from an endowment is attached. Or a feudal estate in lands, so like a fife. Those are the two definitions that were in uh, Merriam-Webster. And the history and etymology is Middle English from Anglo-French from Medieval Latin, benefactum, which is... Yeah, the beneficium of of Rome and the gifts. It's... um... Oh, the Catholic Church started using it in 600s. And so it's one of the places that, um, sorry, we hit something that I knew. I'm going to stop. It it happens. I'm going to stop now. (laughs) But the first known use of the actual word benefice is 14th century. So it, it didn't officially become part of, like that word didn't become used until 14th century. Right. right. The lookup popularity is the bottom 30% of words. I'm shocked. Yeah, I know. I always tend to find the ones that are pretty low on the list. Every once in a while, we'll find one that's really high, like we did a couple of uh, episodes ago. Yeah, it's always interesting to use those words that are similar enough that your players will hear them and go, ooh, wait, what? But uh, not so dissimilar that you are lost. Yeah. But it's also been a short episode. We could talk about trope subversion and genre subversion for a long time. But what I would rather do is ask you, our wonderful listeners and fans, to tell us what subversions you'd like us to cover in a future episode. We can revisit the idea and talk about how we would take one genre in a game and subvert it with another. So what combo would you like to see us cover, including everyone's favorite Jules, who could not join us today. And she's going to be so sad because we had so much fun. We did. But in the meantime, as you like, rate, review, and do all of those social media things for the podcast, Zen, what are your closing remarks? What do you have for uh, the people out there to take a look at in the next few weeks? Doro Hidoro. Okay. This is... If you want to watch something that is crazy and mind-bendy, you have got to check this show out. It's an animation that's on Netflix, and it is really crazy. It's fun. It's really cool. And the ideas it kind of touches on are really, really fun. And just, you have to check it out because it is really trippy. And the opening sequence is hilarious. If for no other reason, watch the opening credits because it's funny. So, what have you got? Well, I, I, thinking about you know genre subversions and and how you kind of hint that and leave that to players, I'm going to recommend you pick up Foucault's Pendulum by Umberto Eco. It's a novel about conspiracies and. It, has Professor Echo's you know, study of semiotics prominently featured creating danger, and it's one of the high points, I think, of 1980s novels. Um, in creating meaning, this story about three down-on-their-luck booksellers creates a larger meaning for, I think, the reading audience. It's a masterclass in subverting tropes and story expectations 
repeatedly. And is his second novel, the first being The Name of the Rose, but we'll save that for a different closing remark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is not just the book, there is also the movie. And we'll just leave it at that. So, I guess until next time, folks, have fun, get out there, play some games. Roll some dice. Thanks for checking in. It was a blast sharing our thoughts and ideas on our topic. We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait to share the next show. In the meantime, let us know how you handled this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM. And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice, or go to SeizeTheGM.com for convenient links. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by their respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is Once again, thanks to you, our listeners. We hope you gained some ideas for your ongoing games. Or the inspiration to run your first. Now get out there and play some games. Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon.